This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 53, Cultivate a Better Marriage with Tamara Fackrell. Welcome back, and thank you so much for hanging out with us for a little bit today, you guys. I am Becky Higgins, and with me is my friend and my co-host, Becky Proudfit. How you doing, sister? Hello there. I'm doing great. I was not feeling fantastic yesterday. I know. I'm really sorry about that. But I drank some magic potion, and now I feel great. <laughs> that might come across not sounding very good. Okay, so what it was... <laughs> no, you don't need to be specific. I'm some just electrolytes. <laughs> I drank some electrolytes and now I feel fantastico. I'm really glad that you're feeling better. It wouldn't be the same if you weren't feeling well. Because we got to keep our energy up with this totally. podcast, right? People, totally. People if your body good. is telling you you need rest, best just rest it is really the lesson to be learned here. That was the key in your success in getting over your sickness, true Correct. or false. Vitamin C, electrolytes, and you know, 12 to 15 hours of a good sleep. <laughs> Bam, I'm back. If that's all it takes, man, we'd get better a lot faster, wouldn't we? Okay. But I imagine too, if every time you felt tired and a little bit sick, you just took the 12 to 15 hours to rest and you could avoid the sickness altogether. Food that for thought. be amazing. Just saying. Maybe we could all be a little bit better about that. Do it. I have a question. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the fact that this episode has Tamara Fackrell? So this is another person I'm borderline like obsessed with. Like she is You're one obsessed of, with a lot of people. I find goodness in a lot of people, but this is someone who particularly has added tangible value to my marriage. Yeah. Like ask my husband, mm-hmm. tangible things that have become better in my marriage because of what she teaches about. And I think she is a paradox of a woman. I love it. She's a divorce attorney slash marriage champion. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, she's just someone who really inspires me because she is hustling and bringing it and blessing my life. And I can't wait for her to bless yours. She is bringing it and she is blessing the lives of many, myself included. So here's my take on Tamara. I knew about her for at least the past year. Ever since you won't and, shut up. Well, you won't shut up. But also when we, you know, talked about when we started the podcast, like who mm-hmm. we would dream of having on the show, Tamara Fackrell was among those that's sitting at the very top of your personal list. Correct. And I'm like, okay, who? I'm who sorry, is who, this person? Who is yes. this person? Mm-hmm. And of course, I've gotten to know through a lot of our conversations, it seems like she and a few other people just come up in your conversation because yeah. that's where you learned about certain principles that have changed your life, your Truly. marriage, your family, your parenting, the way you view yourself and the context of all of those relationships. Totally. And so I've always admired her from afar, not having ever seen her. And then um, we were recently together at BYU Education Week. Um, well, we weren't really together, but you and I did sit in a few overlapping classes. And yes. so that's when I was introduced to Tamara, knowing that we were going to be having her on the show as well. Um, she's amazing. Amazing. She's Amazing. And so with that, it's such an honor to have her on the show. And we cannot wait to share this um, conversation that we recorded with her with you guys. And just on on a personal note, um, I don't remember if I've mentioned this here on the podcast at some point. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. But my, my bachelor's degree is in family science. And so my, my love and my passion is rooted in these things and these topics of marriage and family. And when I was in school, there was a hot minute where I really considered 
some sort of counseling therapy, something. And when what really clicked for me is I wanted specifically to do marriage enhancement camps. That's mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. And again, Love it, was, it. it was for a hot minute because then everything else fell into my lap in the documenting and memory keeping world. And I shared this in the context of Tamara because as I sat and watched her and literally like I have goosebumps just thinking about these moments that I felt watching her. I felt through and through that I was on the path I was supposed to be on and she was on the path that she was supposed to be on. But because of my deep rooted love and all things marriage and family, I looked at her with so much respect and awe and love and appreciation that she took this common love, this thing that she was also, that she is also passionate about and she is truly doing it so well and blessing the lives of so many. And I just felt gratitude. Like, thank you, Tamara, for doing the thing that needs to be done. It wasn't my role. It wasn't my place right. to further my career in that direction. Yeah. But man, I'm so grateful for her. Yeah. I love it. When She's people so feel a pull to, to share something, um, and they do it like, this is what Tamara is, right? Like mm-hmm. she has this gift and she's sharing it with the world and it's amazing it is amazing we can't wait for you to meet her yeah you are gonna love her so so much okay really quick before we um, get into that conversation this is an itunes review that comes from piglet jen how cute is that fresh she says i am cultivating a good life and enjoying myself along the way with my friends becky and becky you are truly a delight to listen to and i feel like we are old friends every time i tune in it would be my dream one day to meet you two lovely ladies. I recently listened to episode 21, The Power of No, and I've just been able to rest in your words that both when you say yes to one thing, you say no to something else, and when you do say no to certain things, it makes it possible to say yes to others. Those thoughts and comments just really hit me right. At, uh, yeah, right. And it caused for me an, an immediate response to be able to say no and to do it for the best and most appropriate reasons. Thank you. You for your on-air friendship and continued inspiration. Love it. I know. Thank you, Jen. I love how specific she got about the specific things that she heard, which again, it's not about the words that we say, Yeah. but sometimes there's just going to be the thing that just stands that out in your mind. You. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for that sweet, sweet review and all of your reviews that you guys leave on iTunes. Now let's hear a quick word about this week's sponsor. Since we're talking about marriage, let's just be honest about something. David loves me and Taylor loves Becky with or without makeup all the same. And we're very grateful for that. But I am telling you, when we take a few minutes to put ourselves together, we feel like our superpowers are charged. It's true. There is just something about wearing a dash of quality makeup that helps me feel like I can take on the world. And none of this, by the way, is for impressing anyone, including my husband, but I'm not going to lie. My level of confidence goes up a notch when my makeup looks good. And I look good. Yes, you do. All right, Shine Cosmetics, you guys, they continue to be one of our very favorite brands ever. They name all of their products after power words, which we just love. And more importantly, the makeup ingredients are impressive. Gluten-free, cruelty-free, hypoallergenic, and paraben-free. It's hard to pick our favorite products. We love them all, but we highly recommend the Fiber Brow BB Cream and the new concealer is seriously the best we have ever used. Visit shinecosmetics.com and enter the code Becky at checkout to save at least 10%. And you can use that code as many times as you want whenever you place an order. You guys, we're so excited to have you here today. And really rare is the day where I meet someone who genuinely impresses 
the heck out of me. Tamara is almost single-handedly responsible for setting your entire soul on fire. Seriously. No, I mean that. That's how I feel based on, do you know this, Tamara? This is how Becky has talked about you to me for a year. For a good solid year. Yep. Right? It's a true story. Yeah. Because you know that there's nothing that sets my soul on fire more than seeing people who develop their unique gifts and talents, take that direction, fearlessly move forward, and are literally changing the world with the gifts that they've been given. I think we need a cape for Tamara. (laughs) She is. She has one. It's probably hanging in the corner of her office. Super impressive professionally, but more than that, Mm. her message goes back to something that we talk about on the podcast all the time. Yeah. Which is taking care of our marriages mm-hmm. and the story we tell ourselves about our marriages and our spouse and the happiness that we can find. Marriage freaking rules. If it you want rules. it to. You it have does. to want it to. And you have to tell yourself <laughs> that story. So yeah. I'm going to stop talking so you can hear from Tamara. But do you want to give us just a quick intro on all your super impressive professional. Who is Tamara Who Fackerel? Who is Tamara Fackerel? <laughs> I'm actually a divorce attorney. Now, this is going to be a surprise to people. So I've been a divorce attorney for over 20 years. But when I was in the profession about 10 years, I started to feel a little burnout just helping people divorce every day. And so I'm a prayerful person. So I, I prayed about it. And I decided I was going to get a PhD in marriage, family, human development. And so I took four years in the middle of my career to get that. I was still divorced people by day and studying by night what I love that description (laughs) like I I mean I don't know if that's what you set out to be as a little girl but when you were in it you were probably like wow this is what I do I divorce people every day right and that must have taken a toll must take a toll yeah and I still divorce people mainly every day that's still my main job but my passion surrounds helping people save their marriages and families. And the whole reason I mediate in the divorce area is because I care so much about kids. And if I can help their parents get on the same page and bring peace to that really conflictual family, Mm -hmm. I feel like I benefit the kids. So that's what keeps driving me in the mediation business. That makes sense. That would be why you're even still doing that. Because your passion within divorcing people is being mindful of the children and how they're affected by all this. Mm -hmm. But outside of divorcing people, you are truly, and I have seen this now with my own eyes because of sitting in your presentations, is what? My true passion in life is helping marriages and families have abundance and love and empowering them in their relationships to be mindful about it. Mindful marriage, that's my tag. I love it. Mindful marriage. And do you feel that if people were a little bit more mindful in their marriages that they really can be saved? Is that really kind of the key? I don't believe it. I know it. Okay. It's different. It's not a belief. Just as an example, I there was a marriage in crisis that, that I met yet with yesterday before I did my education week. And I did not want to, by the way, because it takes me a lot of energy to do my speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really felt like I needed to do it. So I talked to her because they were on the verge of divorce. And I spent an hour with her one-on-one just going through the always list and some other things that are really important. She's like, I just don't think I can do it. I got a text from her on the way here that's like, a miracle has occurred. Like, mm. I mean, we're talking about like uh, 12 hours later. So it's it's not I think, it's that I know. That's so, so powerful. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're listening, you've heard <laughs> us talk about marriage a lot and my borderline obsession slash admiration slash love for my 
hottie hubs. <laughs> but I think that this message, what makes it so unique and special is this message is going to help you if you are dealing with really hard mar- addiction, right? Mm-hmm. There infidelity. There are a lot of really hard marriage issues. And also, and also, if you're like me who went into Tamara's class what last year, mm-hmm. knowing I had a great marriage and finding so much value for taking my marriage to the next level, to even even more happiness and more joy. Because marriage is not like this this finish line. It's not like you get married. And I think sometimes, maybe it was just me, but I thought of that. Like, I find the person, we get married, and happily ever after. I don't know where that mentality comes from, given that you worked for Disney for years. I don't know where you would... I thought some happily ever after, like, ideology that I had to work through. Seriously. Because Taylor and I are two individuals who have really had to work through some hard things. Mm -hmm. We have experienced marriage counseling, which, by the way... Best thing ever. If you're in crisis, yeah. marriage counseling. If you're not in crisis, marriage counseling. Like, <laughs> it right. is the Tamara's greatest nodding. thing ever. This yes. is not an admission of like, get there before you have to tap out. Get there before yeah. you're so down that it, it takes so much more effort to rebuild. My point in saying all this is no matter where you're at, where you're at with your marriage, with your spouse, whatever, this applies to every single one of us. Yeah. And these are simple truths. Simple truths. These are easy things that we can do today to make a difference, like you were saying, to better our marriage right this second. So do you feel like maybe it would be a good place to start as we kind of dive into this dialogue by talking about, in your experience, some of those biggest mistakes that you've seen people make? Because... Yeah. Learning from the counterexample. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. What is the top three no-no's in marriage that you see really tear down that marital relationship? I'm going to give like an acronym, but I'm only going to go into three three of them. So it's triple A half. So the triple A part is addiction is probably the number one thing that I deal with as a divorce attorney. Mm -hmm. Um, And then anger management slash abuse is another one. And uh, then Adultery. That that's never helpful in marriages. That makes no, it diffi- sure difficult. Isn't. That is correct. And then the half part is H is health or mental health. Mm-hmm. So people that have really difficult health or mental health problems, that really cuts into the marriage. A is avoidance. And that's one I'm gonna touch on. Yeah. Um avoidance is um Smart Marriages, who is a coalition in the United States, says that um avoidance causes or is part of at least 96% of the divorces. Wow. So avoidance is a big one. And L, I'm going to talk about, that's lack of intimacy. Mm-hmm. That's a huge problem inside of marriage. We're going there. We're talking about sex, people. Just want to just lay that out there. We're, We're talking yep. about sex. Yep. We got to go there for sure. I wanted to sing a song, but maybe oh. that's not appropriate. Oh. Let's oh. talk about sex, oh. baby. Let's <laughs> talk about sex, <laughs> In an appropriate way. Totally. Because sex is. Uh, sex is beautiful and appropriate and wonderful. Exactly. In marriage. And awesome. In marriage. In yes. marriage, it's awesome. Yes. And then the F is finances. People that get off on their finance track. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think of that more as like just self-reliance in general. Not just finances, but self-reliance in your emotion and self-reliance in your life. Mm-hmm. So that's great. But when we talk about the big three that mm-hmm. I want to talk about off that list, Let's go ahead and just um, go for the lack of intimacy first, like right to the heart of it. 
I think that people don't talk about sex enough for married couples and especially little newlyweds when you're getting started. I call them little sapling trees Mm -hmm. and their foundations aren't big yet. So when I can catch little sapling marriages, which next month and the next month and the next month, I have three engagements in a row where I'm targeting little sapling marriages where they're just newly married because when you can get a really firm foundation in marriage, it makes it awesome. And sometimes you just need a little information. Here's the information that I share um, with everyone. Um, First of all, that the average um, sex inside of marriage is um, 1.5 to 3 times a week. And everybody laughs because, you know, you cannot have a 0.5. Nobody likes a 0.5. Nobody wants a 0.5 sexual out. So for your listeners, I recommend two times a week minimally. And that would be, I always tell people Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. And it just means if you can't have sex by Thursday then Thursday's your day. And if you can't have sex by Sunday, then Sunday's your day. So it doesn't have to, you can still be spontaneous within it. But um, some people, you know, are like 29 and holding. So three, four, five times a week, you know, whatever it is. When you talk about intimacy, just knowing frequency, I think is really, really important. That can get away from you. I Yeah, that's really why can. I was thinking like, why do you feel like that's got to be such a part of your message that that frequency, the number, but I'm thinking maybe that's because it does get away from some people and they don't realize that that is something that is actually some people. So... It gets away from me and I, I'm obsessed with my husband. But at the end mm. of the day, I have four kids. I am a mover and a shaker, and I am tired. Yeah, you're spent. I'm so tired. Yeah. In addition, I, think I have a everyone husband who can travels, to that. and yeah. I travel. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes it's just the neglect of setting the time aside. The, the Thursday, Sunday makes me laugh. Again, and I'm going to say this in case you're a new listener, I share everything in my marriage with the permission of my husband. He knows everything I'm sharing and is on board because, like me, He wants to champion marriage. He wants people to have good marriages. This Thursday, Sunday principle is something we have exercised in our marriage um, for many years. And let me explain. When we were in conflict, when we're having conflict, or let's be honest, you all know cancer last year, menopause, whole new ballgame due to this post-cancer life I'm now living. Um, Sometimes those feelings of like, Oh, I just I'm so in you know I want to I want to go and be intimate with my husband those are just not there all the time for me but what ended up happening especially when we're in times of conflict is then there isn't intimacy so then I'm having anxiety about the fact that there's not intimacy and this two twice a week principle I'm going to say this listen with your spiritual ears almost let me off the hook the other days where I didn't have to take up all my mental energy of like Hmm. oh gosh okay well let me think about this and get all in my head and weird about it and it kept us moving through a period that that it probably wasn't coming that naturally but it was an agreement we kind of had and for my husband I mean sweet man could really just experience intimacy at any time in any place and be totally fine Mm -hmm. I need a little like a little lead time and it gave me that lead time and and for me once I was was involved in it I'm trying to be so respectful with my (laughs) group but it's like once you get get started it's so beautiful but getting over that hump of like setting aside the time for my husband was so crucial but it kept us together in those in those times of conflict and hormonal change and everything else that happens and you don't have to have any of those things to relate to how how it does get away from a lot of people is that what you're saying Tamara is that you see that a lot of people have a hard time 
or they just don't think about it? Well, I think um, part of it is that um, women in particular use it as a weapon. So they're basically saying, if I don't feel emotionally connected mm-hmm. or we're having a problem, I don't want to have intimacy. And in fact, the studies show that it's actually intimacy makes problems easier and better because of the chemicals, the delicious chemicals that are, are shared between our brains, the oxytocin and the different things. And so really... Um, um, using it as a weapon. And I think the biggest thing that's really important to know is that from my perspective, I'm a religious person, like intimacy should only be met inside of marriage. And there's no one else your spouse can go to to get that need met. Whereas like your emotional needs, appreciation, service, presence, like recreation, everything else can in your life, you can put other people in your life to meet those needs. Mm-hmm. But intimacy, only your spouse should be meeting that. And so if your spouse has needs and they're coming to you and you're denying them, you know, it it ends up causing a lot of issues inside the marriage because there's nowhere else to look. And then that's where sometimes people get into these other what I call trap doors. They get into addictions and and different and adultery and things that they shouldn't. It's not just a cause there. But I think that um, for myself, I was a young bride that kind of felt like sex was bad. And so I had to, like, in my brain, get over the fact, no, this is a beautiful thing inside of marriage. I had to learn my body, which is why I wrote a book on it. Um, I actually wrote the book because my um, brother Jay asked me to have the talk with my nieces, and I just wanted to write it out instead mm-hmm. of talking it to them. Yeah. But um, so that girls, like, know how, how the female body functions. That's a lot of complaints, you know, so they understand. But for myself, when I really got on board with intimacy, I decided – for Jake and I, first of all, I would never deny him if possible. And if I did, I'd follow back up within 24 hours Mm -hmm. so that we didn't have to have intimacy be a big issue, you know? And so, and the most frequent intimacy is actually every 48 or every 72 hours. Those are the most frequent, frequent cycles of intimacy. But when I'm a divorce attorney and they tell me, hey, you know, I we haven't had intimacy in more than, and then they tell me the number. Like, it's big, it's big, expensive pine. So I tell people, if you haven't had intimacy within four weeks, your marriage is on the divorce track. Because mm. mm-hmm. you can't get those needs met elsewhere. And it's like the foundation, it's the water of your marriage. Like on the Maslow, it's the bottom of the, of the marriage. And so if you're not having water flow, then people get more, then they have more anger and they have more conflict and mm-hmm. problems get bigger. And it just cascades into a lot of other issues and so that's why I call it the water of the marriage and it needs to be met inside of marriage and we need to be mindful of that so girls a sex is not a a weapon ever no never And, and b even if you don't feel connected Perhaps you and your your husband, because we know most of our listeners are women, but okay. you and your spouse are feeling disconnected. Mm-hmm. The solution isn't to hold off on intimacy because you aren't feeling connected. The solution, if I'm understanding what you're saying, and I can speak from experience as well, is that you do have intimacy, which mm-hmm. then will help you get to the point of being more connected. Correct. And we all know that consistency breeds momentum. We mm-hmm. know this in every area of life. Correct. So with intimacy, how can that not be a blessing in your marriage? Right. And I think that the other thing is some women, even at the the seminar I just spoke at, were telling, well, it's not fair. I don't feel like it. I don't want to. And it's like, well, change your thinking. Why don't, why don't you want to have sex with the man of your life? Right. Like, why are you telling yourself that story? Why are you, why are you engaging in the villain story of your marriage? Mm -hmm. Like, so I would say re-engage in, in a different story. And that's why you can have 24 hours. Cause in my book, you have to get over conflicts in 24 hours. So if you can't do it, then I give you 24 hours to like change your thinking, which is plenty 
of time to, to, to get there. And then also, I think for women in particular, it's really important to know how to pull your emotional needs out of out of intimacy. And so that's like um, realizing that when your heart syncopate for more than, you know, 60 seconds together, your hearts are actually beating at the same time. That's a cool thing um, really that cool. you can engage in the afterglow process after, you know, after and lay in each other's arms and hold one another and you can and I will tell Jake like wait I want my 10 minutes like don't (laughs) leave like you're going nowhere like I want my 10 minutes or you know you can ask your spouse like before we engage I need you to give me compliments but you can use your voice to get things you need out of intimacy too it's not just like a physical my man always needs this yeah they do need it and so do we it's a beautiful wonderful process that brings so much connection and so I just think we need to like turn it like just a smidgen for us to realize it can give back a lot to us as women as well. I would love for you to speak a little bit to something that you just brushed on. And it's something that is such, I have learned is such a huge part of your message. And I know that Becky and I both believe this as well, but you, you speak to it so well. And that is to use your words, use your voice and actually say and speak about the needs that you have. We can't expect our spouse to read our minds. Will you kind of go into that for a minute because we're, yeah. we're talking about more than just intimacy we're talking about having our needs met because this is all intertwined yeah exactly and so that kind of goes to the avoidance one that I wanted to talk to so that that re- goes into that exactly so from my perspective uh, and I've done a lot of study I'm super nerdy like I'm the nerd of all nerds on marriage research <laughs> love it. and That's so we love you I just wanted to put that out there but from my perspective as a researcher with my PhD I think that a lot lot of um there is there's a lack of fidelity when you inside feel something but you're not expressing it to your spouse because fidelity means complete trust and connection as a couple and so I find what's called this incongruent and I use what's called the raft method I've taught it in character education for years but it's I am responsible that's the R for how I act feel and think at the bottom of the raft is thinking now here's an interesting fact is that every individual has between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day that flow into their mind and by nature 80% of those are negative and 90% of those are from yesterday Hmm. and so if we start to be mindful that's my catch right Mm -hmm. in our thoughts and really start to think underneath it's like we need our thoughts and our actions to match in the divorce office the most common one of the most common reasons for divorce is I don't know now, how sad is that? Mm-hmm. You don't know why your spouse is divorced. I mean, to me, that's a couple who was never mindful. They didn't establish their always list, and then they didn't express what they need. Now, part of the problem is if you don't know what you need, how is your spouse going to know? And for myself, I believed, because I came from a family with a lot of girls, that we should be able to read each other's mind and do oh, things. Yes. That was my favorite way for Jake to communicate with me, is just to read my mind <laughs> and do exactly what I wanted, except for he always failed at it. So when I was in law school, actually, I just had a wake-up call. that was, like, And I gave him a lot of tests, fail, 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 that was just like, wait, Tam, you got to figure out 
I actually talked to myself, by the way, guys. That's pretty um, <laughs> Yeah, what you, did you say You actually got to figure out what you need and then give it to Jake in a package that he can accomplish. Mm-hmm. So I went home and I said, hey, Jake, I want you to buy me flowers. I want them to be fire and ice. I want them to be from Sam's Club because I don't want you to spend more than twelve ninety nine. And please don't get a vase because that's expensive because I'm a frugal person, right? And so, But you wanted the flowers. I, but I wanted the you flowers. You knew exactly which flowers and where they were yeah. going to be from and what the budget was. Right. But you wanted the flowers. And why wasn't Jake bringing them to you, you probably wondered. Why wasn't he? Why didn't right. he know? How did he not know that this is something I would want? Right. Right? And, and the, the truth the, the is I don't flip. even like flowers now. I think it, to me, mm. was just a symbol. Yes. that I needed something and I wanted to test the model. Mm-hmm. And the next day he did it for me. And I was like, it was just this aha moment. Yep. And so I think if you kind of go through, in my research styles of romance, you know, do you like presence best? Do you like recreation best? Do you like appreciation? Is it intimacy and touch? Is it service? Is, is, it, is it exchange of communication? Or is it dedicated time? There's It spells praise. Like that, you need to know what you like best. Was that an acronym? Sorry, it's I want to make acronym. sure that people catch this. I'm so sorry, it's an acronym called said, praise. Okay, mm-hmm. so everything. And we'll put and that we'll in the show notes. And we'll include all this yeah. in show notes. Yeah. So I just think that you got to know where you're at but the thing that's cool about praised and I think that some researchers are like everything has to be met in your marriage I disagree so even the woman I was meeting with yesterday she needs a lot of emotional connection and her husband has an an EQ really low right and so she can't get that met because his god-given gift is not emotional connection Mm -hmm. and she we've i've taught them some different methods the share method and some different things that can help but what we talked about yesterday is like maybe she needs to connect with a counselor like a professional that can help her overflow these emotional needs and same thing like with recreation you know i can go out with my girlfriends and emotional connections i connect with my sister and my mom and of course it's appropriate it's it's women in my life you know I'm not connecting only right. men in my life I really connect with are my brothers like on an emotional level so mm-hmm. I'm talking about appropriate well, connection is different than intimacy yeah of course because we know that intimacy is emotional and yes. you know as well and so but you don't you don't have to experience intimacy you should not experience intimacy outside of your marriage absolutely in those emotional relationships and that's your point is that mm-hmm. I think is that those connections and those needs that you have to be met can and should happen outside of marriage also. Also, right. So you can recreate with your friends and you can get presents for yourself and just get a budget. And there's all these ways to meet all these needs except for intimacy and meaning sex and that connection that comes through physical touch and dedicated time. All of the other styles, you, you knew right on a piece of paper, you know, what percentage do I need my spouse to fulfill of that for me to have a fulfilled life? And most of the time, it's not 100, except for those other two categories, you know? And if it is 100, then that's something you need to look at because the truth is you cannot be fulfilled in your marriage. You cannot look to your spouse to fulfill 100% of your needs. We know this. We need to be whole people going into marriage. And another thing that you shared in this year's seminar is um, marriages can succeed with one person working on it yeah which means my sweet listener if you work on yourself and if you work on your wholeness and what you are bringing to your marriage that alone is enough to save your marriage and to keep you moving forward that is such a powerful a powerful thing my husband I can tell you right now because he does listen to the podcast is laughing in his car about the flowers um, because my flower thing 
for so many years, I was like, oh, those are so pretty when we're at Costco. And I'm a bold girl, but like I would drop these hints, these little hints that I thought were completely <laughs> obvious. Around Christmas time, I would be like, you know, it would be such a good present, this thing. And he's thinking, thank you for that information that has nothing to do with me or you or Christmas or anything. <laughs> it's just a fact. And, and I dropped all these hints. Mm. And then like those little tests you said, he failed. Because how do you not fail when you're speaking in code and in a code that you have made up and only you understand? It's like speaking in Pig Latin. I, I don't speak Pig Latin. I can't understand. So what you're saying is that when we do this, we are setting our husbands up for failure. We are. And I feel like if you're in a time of conflict and you're doing this, I really want you to examine, are you really, are you looking for evidence that your spouse is failing? Are you looking for that evidence that they cannot meet my needs? When really, sister, it's on you. And it's if totally on you. if you're looking for the evidence, you will absolutely you will find, find it. it. The love comes in when I tell Taylor, because my husband needs it in no, no uncertain terms, when I say, babe... I'm having a hard day. If you brought me seasonal flowers from Costco with no vase, that would really be so meaningful. People think when you have to express it that it means less. And depending on your upbringing, you may have been, you know, have been taught to think that you know, your husband or your spouse or whoever it needs to be intuitive. And this goes into friendships as well, that if they loved me, they would know. If they loved me and paid attention enough, they would read my secret language that I've invented. The love comes in when I speak my needs clearly to my husband. The love is that he listens and acts. Mm -hmm. The love is that when I say I need seasonal sunflowers from Costco without a vase, that in the next few days I'm going to get seasonal sunflowers because he knows what to do. As spouses, we want to meet each other's needs. We want to please each other. We just sometimes don't know what to do. I think the three of us sitting here want every everyone especially women again who are listening to have the aha experience that you had with mm -hmm. asking Jake for the 1299 flowers yes and so i would extend an invitation before we continue going on behalf of all three of us that if that is you that thinks that that's the way a marriage should work is that he should be reading my mind if he knows me and my goodness or picking been... up on the hints you think are so obvious yes. but they're really only obvious to you correct and so the invitation would be just try it. Just experiment. That's what you did in law school. That's right. It was an experiment, right? It was an experiment, and it worked. The other thing yeah. in that same regard is people tell me, we've tried everything to solve our problems. And and we talked to anger, um, to the anger management, the third one I wanted to, to yeah. talk into. Um, I've tried everything, Tamara. And you should hear the problems I hear. I hear a lot of problems. Oh, I can only <laughs> and I just imagine. want to tell you that your marriage is great. If you're listening to this, I'm sure your marriage is great. It's all good. Uh, yeah. But um, but I tell people, nope, I don't want to hear about it unless you talked about it with a pencil in your hand. And it's just a symbol that you sat down at a table. And, you know, Jake and I have a weekly – it's it's a scheduling meeting. We call it a couple's powwow. We sit down because we were both really busy people, and we have six kids. So we've got a lot on our plates. And yes. not just six children. And a grandbaby. Are you uh, also a grandmother. Yes, I'm so lucky. <laughs> but we just schedule our week out. But inside that scheduling we quickly just share things hey here's what I loved about our marriage this week and here's let's let's work on this one and then you can also one of my big things that I've been pushing um the last six months in the seminars and different things that I do is know the number from zero to ten where are you at on the satisfaction number and express it to your spouse 
And so as you do that, um, all of a sudden things will come to light. Like I had some people staying at my house this week and she's like, I asked my husband and it was supposed to be an eight, but it was a 7.5 he chose, a seven point, you know, but it's nice to know what the number is. Only one in four couples can accurately predict the satisfaction of their spouse. And so I'm a big thing, like mindful, what is the number? Let's get the number and figure it out. And then we can start developing plans. And when we talk about anger management, et cetera, like you have to have anger management rules in your marriage. It's at the bottom of the triangle. Again, it's the next step. It's safety. You, If you don't have safety in your marriage and you think your spouse is going to get all angry and crazy, then you don't have safety. And so you have to have rules surrounding, hey, what do we do when we're upset with one another? I recommend taking a break. I recommend talking about things when you're on your regular communication track. That's why we have these weekly meetings. And hey, can we address this one little problem that came up? Instead of doing it when you're in your limbic system, which is your angry brain, we don't ever get good results in our limbic system because our frontal precortex turns off. And so it just doesn't make sense to solve problems that way. So having rules about conflict resolution, I think is one of the other big things I would tell the listeners to be able to work through. Because if the safety at the bottom isn't working up your triangle, it's hard to get the, to the love and the belonging and, and the goals and the self-actualization, you know, that really makes things better in your marriage. So I think that's really important. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Are you suggesting that then it's a conversation that should be initiated like, hey, we should talk about anger management? Because it seems like a spouse might be offended by that even being broached if that's okay. not something that they're already yeah. communicating about. And so that's why I wrote the book, 365 Questions to Ask Before and After Marriage, because it's hard to talk about hard topics. That book um, goes through every love style. It goes through hard questions, really hard questions um, inside of it. Because one of the complaints I hear in the divorces I do is, well, if I would have known this, that, or the other, well, Mm -hmm. we need to get to know ourselves and our spouses. And as we be vulnerable with our spouses, which is a hard thing to do, but as you're vulnerable, things get better. And so that's why I, you know, have some facilitation that I can help. And there's also just Tamara's rules in there. Like, hey, you don't want to do your own. That's okay. You can use borrow mine and then right borrow mine and then figure it out for a while. Taylor and I figured out as we went through this. um, Again, throwing myself under the bus. You're welcome because I'm sure this is happening to someone else. (laughs) Um, In hormonal times, like I had times of intense emotion and anger, and I know for a fact my husband did not feel safe to come to me with like. In fact, I remember one particular occasion. You're gonna laugh. Um, My husband called me and said, honey, I have to talk to you tonight about something. So I need you to set aside that time. We need to talk. Never has he said this in our marriage. The whole day, I'm like, well, um, he's leading a double life. He's cheating on me. He wants a divorce. Like, where is this coming from? What have I done? Like, Wait, wait, wait. Pause, pause. Do you understand what's happening in this point of the story? Becky is making up stories. Completely writing a narrative. Villain stories. Villain stories. Villain stories. I'm thinking, racking my brain. We weren't fighting. Like, the intimacy is good. Like, what is going on? But I was in a postpartum situation as my body, you know, my body's been up and down forever with, with kids. And I had had some really, really strong reactions when my husband would bring things to me like, Oh, honey, um, what's for dinner? 
when he was asking me like what's for dinner do you need help with this should <laughs> i get takeout like not yeah. what are you have you and i would be like i can't believe you asked me that i have been taking care of your kids <laughs> right and i'm sure many of us do this right yes, as we're in yeah. these hormonal this is changes not uncommon. Yeah. he came home and he said to me honey i love you so much and today i did not have any clean underwear and babe i need you i need you please please can you work on this because i was so wrapped up in myself and I literally just hugged him, and I was like, I'm so glad it's about underwear and not something else crazy that was going on. I mean, what an easy, you know, need to meet for my poor husband, who was wading his way through a wife who was losing her mind postpartum. But um, as spouses, I feel like having those conversations and setting aside that time, that safety thing is so crucial. And I think especially, this is totally generalizing, but... Um, for men, it's, I think it can be harder sometimes to be opening up those places of vulnerability. And if they're met with like an immediate knee-jerk reaction, which when you're getting negative feedback, like we have that protective mechanism that sometimes we can – so give yourself that pep talk going into it like – no matter what they say, I'm not going to freak out. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to mm-hmm. choose, you know, I'm not going to freak out about it and I'm just going to breathe. I'm going to breathe and I'm going to sit with the discomfort because if you don't do that – they're never going to come to you again. Taylor and I have learned with our communication, we we bicker a lot, so we don't ever fight. We talk all the time. We constantly are going back and forth. And I have the perfect segue for that. So yes. I actually like a different approach. <laughs> so I Becky, think, you're wrong. No, no, all no. Of it is wrong. No, that's what she's saying. You borrow Tamara's rules, and then you figure out yeah. by yeah. talking what works in your marriage yes. and, and what meets and you. And I totally, think that totally. like every spouse needs to have a space and create space that I can get correction and ideas from my spouse and we can make things better so I was thinking so hard because I used to take this approach too where I call it dancing on the sand like Mm -hmm. just dealing in today Mm -hmm. so if you do what I call a quarterly retreat you go away for at least 24 hours but I actually recommend 48 and on that you're having lots of intimacy you have some recreation planned you go through and in my romance journal they have these um, things that you do for the retreat and basically it's 10 things that you love about your spouse and then two things you want to work on because when you do problem solving in marriage John Gottman says you need to have a five to one ratio five positives to every one negative I think sometimes what we want to do is just sit down with our husband and like hash out 20 things or whatever it's not really an effective way to solve problems the better way is to flood your marriage with the joy and the compliments and these things that a retreat creates and then say hey and if you're new you might want to just choose one thing so it's one thing I choose one thing I want my husband I do too and my husband to work on and then he chooses two things he wants me to work on it was really funny um we did a little retreat in California because my niece was getting married and so we're like we'll make this our retreat and like let's do three like we're like we're ready handle it so we did 10 three the third one I just started crying like (laughs) I was like the ratio works like you get to the point where you're on overload and the other cool part about choosing two things you want to work on is just the fact that you're prioritizing what's going on in the marriage and instead of you being able to just do everything you really kind of hone in and focus now that doesn't mean that Jake and I don't solve problems as they come day to day I'm not saying that but we're proactively always trying to make the marriage better by giving suggestions on what we can work on for the quarter and literally that is the secret secret sauce to my awesome marriage. Jake and I, the last year, discovered this zero to 10 number thing, and we have gotten our 
um, marriage to a 10 out of 10. Like both of, he's a 10 and I'm a 10 and we know the formula that works and it's so awesome to get there and just feel like, no, I'm a 10, you're a 10. And we still have gone through a lot of hard losses this year because we had a death in our family and some things that were really hard, but we were still able, even when we dipped a little bit down, to just maintain back up. And it's through communication and retreats is the big deal. And by the way, guys, I have to put a plug in. Yes. That was, that was Jake's idea. What, the retreat? Yes. Get it, Jake. Because yeah. he does it for his business. They do a, It's a business model he followed from mm-hmm. one of his, and he's, he's a CEO and he owns a company. And so he's like, hey, you know, I'm doing quarterly retreats for my business. Why aren't we doing this in our marriage? And he... So I just have to say, way, way to, to go, go, Jake. Way to go, Jake. Uh huh. So yep. we we do it, and we're we and make it simple. By the way, we do his birthday, my birthday, our anniversary, and one other time a year. Oh, awesome! Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it doesn't actually fall quarterly perfectly. Yeah. But we, you know, don't have the time to be like in a quarterly and let's celebrate this. So we just weave it into things that we yeah. were already doing, so it wasn't that difficult for us. So if I'm understanding you right, it's almost as if you probably you you address things as they come as you need to. Absolutely. And also, there are probably a handful of things that you hang on to for resolution and discussion, knowing that within the next quarter, you're going to have the next retreat. Because some things maybe are not as appropriate to try to handle in the just day-to-day life of everything going on because you're both busy and stressed and tired and you're just maintaining family life and careers and things like that. So is that what you do is you kind of like hang on to a few things to then broach at the retreat yeah and I'm very mindful in my marriage so I on my phone I have a marriage section and I'm I'm noting and observing things in our marriage as we go throughout and hey here and here's what we're trying to do so I just keep the note and then when we go to our retreat I go back to all the notes I've kept mm-hmm. and then I decide like well which ones are we going to discuss even on the even on the 10 that I'm going to talk about what I really like about Jake it's not just like you're cute you're handsome mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. no it's like hey when you helped um, Camden do that with his science project that really meant a lot to me because it was a season that I was really busy so it's really I mean you can do it more generally too but for myself I take it very seriously so we give very very specific feedback in it and then that appreciation flows as well and so and so yeah you're going to save some for later um, and and as you get in the rhythm of it I think you're going to love it do you feel like the quarterly retreat concept is just as applicable for somebody who is newly married as one who's been married for decades? Yes. And the okay. more newly married you are, the better. That's why there's these these you can get these cheap hotels like if you wait the day of because it mm-hmm. doesn't matter where you go. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a really frugal person. It it comes out. We've had a one lot. and we've sent our kids away. Like we've uh-huh. stayed at our house and yes. we sent the kids to grandma's. That, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, so I was going to ask another question, mm-hmm. which is because I'm always thinking about our listener. What is she thinking? What mm-hmm. might she be asking? What yeah. might she be feeling? And I have a feeling that some people are like, "That's great for you that you can budget that quarterly. You go on this great retreat because retreat sounds a little fancy. Yeah, it does. Right? And it can it? be if you have the means. But I think also to what you're saying, Becky, it's accessible in a reverse sort of way. You mm-hmm. could do it at home. It's probably not recommended. I'm actually, imagining it's that fine. You, okay, it's I think fine. as long as the kids are gone. I mean, it's the just kids can't be there, but it has to be actually retreat based, which means you got to put your cell phones away, like they're gone, and mm-hmm. we're just focusing on one another. And then you still want to do some activities. And I just was in a women's group a few months ago, and we brainstormed like make your home into the anniversary inn and swap kids with your best friend or your sister, mm-hmm. and they, she just 
just takes one night and you do backwards. And so there's all this doesn't have to be an expensive thing. No. Awesome. I'm what what it but what it does have to be is a dedicated time thing. Mm-hmm. So you can't have other commitments. And that's the problem with home sometimes is the phone rings, people come to your door. You know, yeah. you know that's what I'm There you, are distractions that are almost unavoidable. Uh, wow. Unavoidable. Thank you. And so I can see the benefit to going away mm-hmm. instead. For so those you reasons. might just want to spend the night at the house and then in the morning go to a space mm-hmm. that allows, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. the talking and, and different things to occur. But mm-hmm. it really is just, it's made my marriage amazing. So of everything that you have done professionally and all of the education and the knowledge and the background and research experience Mm -hmm. for your personal application, the quarterly marital marriage retreat is the secret sauce. It absolutely is. And my brilliant husband came up with it for me. So that was, and I'm the one that's always researching, you know what I mean? So like, that's why I love it. And one other thing, I'm going to go back to intimacy for just a second. On these retreats, if you do a couple days, it's fun to have what we call a wipeout. And so basically you have so much intimacy with your spouse that they're begging you to stop. (laughs) And so that they can feel like, like at least once every blue moon, their cup gets completely filled. It's not that hard really. Yeah. Yeah. Because in, in a small period of time, there's not a lot of you know right so it's not hard at all like yeah that's awesome that's so, so I love what fun. you said too and you said this yesterday in your class because this was totally my experience um this is something you know um Becky and I we both are very uh intentional with travel with our husband's experiences and this is kind of the way that we've set up our marriage um and for different seasons we've done different things I love what Tamara said yesterday though because I had never really considered it um and this is true the first time that we did it I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. It was awkward. Yep. I, I felt I it just was awkward. It was awkward because it wasn't Can I ask you a quick quite question? Gelling. Yeah. Were you when you say the first time you did what? A trip or a specific marriage retreat? Like so, what how are you approaching this experience? It was more um we're gonna go away for the night because we need some time. And we're going to talk about our marriage. So I didn't okay. have the tools so was, that are in. marriage ret- retreat yes. mentality. Okay. Uh, it was, and it actually was at anniversary, and it's funny you said that. Oh, uh, 360, <laughs> this book that, that Tamara has, which we're going to link and I'll do stories about, but it's 365 questions to ask before and after marriage. I wish I had this because yeah. we talked in the way that we knew and we were pretty good communicating, but it felt very forced and it felt very like, okay, now we're supposed to be intimate. Now we're supposed to talk about our marriage. And I had this mentality like, Okay, so we're feeling a little out of sync. We're going to go do this, and we're going to come back fixed. And that's not how it is. It's that's about right. breeding the consistency, That's right. and it's a slow pace. It's, it's building these habits into your marriage. Because now when we do it, I mean, we go away with friends, and one of the things we do with our kind of bigger trip we take is we go with friends. Because I'll tell you what, she's meeting some of my emotional needs. I'm pointing to Becky Higgins over here. She'll meet some of my emotional needs when my husband wants to go bike on a glacier that I'm just really not interested in. Exactly. And that has really been, been a fantastic thing for us. These retreats will change your life. They will change your parenting. They will change your partnership. It'll change your life. I think what's important that you're pointing out, and and Tamara, you can speak to this also Mm because you did in your presentation, is that the first time, Becky and Taylor's first time doing this and Mm -hmm. how awkward it was, you're saying, um, or you said yesterday, 
is pretty common. Like you can almost you expect can count on it. it. Oh yeah, right? you can count on it. Okay. I, I, you That's know, really tell important. my friends like, okay, do the retreat model. And my friend called me after it was miserable. I'm like, yes, way to go. <laughs> yeah. We have a miserable first retreat. Actually, my romance journal works probably the best for the retreat model because okay. um, both of them do, but my romance journal actually has five years of re- retreat sheets in it. And so... That's amazing. Yeah. And so, and if you just kind of stick to at least doing the the 10 one or, well, let's mm-hmm. just start with 10 one, the 10 positive one, and, and then you just go have fun. Like just start simple right there. You don't need yep. to go into all of the other methods and things. I like to try to keep, keep things simple for people and let them add their own fanciness if that makes sense yeah it does and I think that the expectation is is so so instrumental in what our experience in life is in general right Mm -hmm. so when you get specific I think if you and your spouse spouse have the expectation that it might be awkward yeah we're gonna have a good time you might stare at each other especially if you're in parenting I remember looking at my husband and thinking I really hope we have things in common still because this feels weird to not have the buffer of our children Mm -hmm. really that's, That's what it why felt like. it's probably so important is the buffer of your children and the buffer of your home, the buffer mm-hmm. of your responsibilities, the Correct. buffer of the phone ringing. Yes, all of mm-hmm. these things are buffers, which exactly. is why we've got to step away from all of it and let it be awkward for a minute. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm trying yeah. to like really yeah. emphasize Absolutely. is like, please know and Discomfort. expect. We talk about this all the time. Discomfort yes. is so good. Yeah. Discomfort is good. Fear is good. Harness that. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Because guess what? You still went, and that's one step further than you were the day before. And now you know for next time things you can do better, things you both like and don't like, and you begin to find your rhythm in your marriage. And you get those empty nesters, you know, that divorce because they did not – their marriage was so much about the kids – um, we can't get a babysitter. It's too expensive. I don't want to leave my baby. You know, my mom always told me a babysitter is cheaper than marriage counseling. And yep. it's certainly cheaper than totally. a divorce attorney. But I see a lot of this, one of the patterns of divorce is people divorcing after the kids get out of the house mm. because they did not take the time. They lost themselves in the middle of the parenting and they basically put their spouse, put their spouse second to their kids. And so this is one way. And I know like my son has a little baby now. And we take him overnight once a quarter so that they can do it, you know, so grandparents can help or sisters or or whatever it is. I'm not talking about a big investment, really, if you think about it. Like four nights out of 365, that's not a lot. And if you're already away with your spouse for some other reason, just grab your retreat. And that's what I'm saying. It doesn't need to be hard, you know. Just keep it within the rhythms that you're doing. But try to do it because... You know, the studies show that, you know, in retirement, different, and when kids go out of the house, the satisfaction goes down, where it's like, no, if we're working it and being mindful, we can make that satisfaction skyrocket in the different times where other people are failing, we're succeeding because we've taken the time to do the work. So debunking it, Mm -hmm. I think the myth is good parents, because I'll tell you, when we go on vacation, my kids are upset. I'm in education week right now. I took a full week, which I've never done the full week before. My kids were not happy. Mm-hmm. They were sad that I was leaving. My daughter was like, I hate when you go. These kids are going to have emotion about you leaving or not being there for a minute. Good parents aren't the ones that that don't allow their children to be uncomfortable. Good parents are the ones that make their marriage the pinnacle of their home, that teach their children that that partnership in that time is the most important thing in their family and to the success of their family. And when your kids know that, we're, sh- we're showing them healthy habits. We're showing them. And I told my daughter, 
I love you so much. And I'm so appreciative that you are that you are having this time um, and that mom is able to have her time because I get to learn and grow and bring things back to you. And this is what I need to do for myself to be the best mom that I can be for you. And she knows that my needs come before her needs. We all and know I don't the... know that that's a popular parenting notion. Really I would agree that that's probably not popular. We all know the analogy of oil changes. We all understand that a vehicle, you have to. If you, well, you don't have to. You could not do oil changes. You could not do maintenance on your car. And then what happens, right? And so one, one of the things that I have really learned more than ever personally this year is that investing in what is most important to you is critical for the success of fill in the blank, whatever that is. We are talking about marriage. I learned that from my health, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I had my own experience with like how to get my health back on track because of investing in myself. And I have even learned that prior to that with my business. I would do the same with my business. I finally like invested like actual dollars into getting some help that would help boost my business at that time when that was an appropriate season. It's no different with our marriages. And that's what I love and appreciate about what Jake thought of. And by the way, my husband's often the ones that always, he has the best ideas. I I feel like I'm doing all the work on certain things and he's always the one that comes up with the gem. And I'm like, go you, right? Exactly. So good. We are, we have good men anyway, but that's, I think that's the key is that you have to understand that if your marriage is your most important priority in terms of relationships and in terms of your life. And even if you don't feel that, but you want to feel that, and yet you're feeling pretty lazy about the investment, whether it's quarterly retreats or open communication or weekly date nights or intentional dialogue, then are you, do you really consider it the most important thing in your life? Because it doesn't look like it if you're not investing. You have to invest. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the feeling that I, I felt from you this week and reiterating like because I know it's important to me I love my marriage it can be so much better and it's all I I get to choose that yeah and and I like to say that you can pretend to care but you can't pretend to show up so you can say yeah like my marriage is most important but if you're not showing up for your marriage with time then it's really not a priority. I like to teach it to kids. I have this little character education program that I teach communication and conflict resolution to kids, but it's really adult concepts that I taught as a, as a professor at the law school to kids. And this concept you're talking about, we teach through the Aloha meter. And just and so it applies to everybody. But basically what it is is that you have an Aloha, Aloha meter, 0 to 10, and you need to keep, know how to keep your tank full. And when it gets to be a 4, if you don't catch it at a 4, like you're talking about the oil, changes then and you get to zero like you get sick and all of these things Mm -hmm. but same also with your marriage you have a meter for your marriage I have some things which I call the always list it's things that I think you know if there's a problem I'm like what are you doing on the always list to go back to the always list to see what you're doing these are the things that I recommend as a as a researcher and also as a person that that works with divorces so I see the backwards and the forwards of it but number one is just prayer like do you take the time to pray every night with your spouse and vocally out loud ask God to help for your your marriage no matter if it's good or bad like you know you want to have that protection so i think that's just like a really really simple one and it doesn't take very long right and so and if you're not the praying type it will be awkward at first 
Right. Expect it. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I think that that's really important too. You could be the praying type, but only focus on your personal prayers and not used to the rhythm of praying with your spouse. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Let it be awkward for a minute. Yeah. And I, cause I think that, yeah, yeah. And for on. those people that don't pray, my suggestion would be just sharing a good thought every night, mm-hmm. sharing a quote or a good thought so that you can do substitutes. But you know, so that's something I, I just recommend that people do. Um, and then going on a, a a weekly date and when things are um, when I'm feeling low on my aloha meter those dates with me and Jake have to be Mm one-on-one we do a lot of things we're very social people so we do a lot of things with a lot of friends and sometimes like if we do like three weeks in a row with friends I'm like I'm missing my Jake time you know yeah but just making sure you're planning it for myself we have a group of friends and you know when big things come you know we like to do things as a group and go hang out you know so that can be fun but then but also just you know planning something big quarterly doing some surprises in there but not just like on Friday oh it's date night I guess we're going to go to a movie and dinner again like just taking 10 minutes on Sunday or Monday to be like okay what what are we going to do this week whose turn is it to plan I mean it's just so simple but if you don't go on a date then and I know that babysitting can be challenging and that's where we get into the swapping and the creative things that I did with six kids mm-hmm. to, to save on, on the babysitting. But really that one-on-one time I think is really essential. Um, intimacy, we've already talked about that, two mm-hmm. to five times a week. I think that that's really, really important. And then I recommend that couples do gratitude every week. And so tracking, I'm, I'm a big journaler, but tracking your gratitude and if you can't, just speaking it. All of those things I think are really important just as basics. And then finding out what else has to be part of the foundation in your own marriage. People are going to have different things. But like at least just doing those tiny things because what happens when people get in crisis is their marriage goes on what's called autopilot. They don't do anything extra. The only thing they do is things that are habitual. So um, I recommend like planning something fun once a year, like a getaway, right? That's funner yeah. and bigger. Well, I had a couple where I was telling them this and they got into a little crisis, but they're like, but we still have to do our thing because it's paid for. We've got to go. Like, it's like you're thanking your future marriage for some of these autopilot things you did because you made plans in the future and you're like incapacitated at the moment, yeah. but you can still say thank you past self for helping my future (laughs) self and so I would say plant some things in your future marriage so that by the chance that you have to go on autopilot that there's some things that are habits are well we're still going to pray together we're still going to do our date we're still going to have our Thursday Sunday like those Mm -hmm. things because that's what I see and what happens in the bad autopilots is there's nothing and then you go back to well what are you doing for your marriage well I'm doing nothing well no wonder it's suffering so that's a really important concept from my perspective so everyone should be thinking about they're always less. You've given some mm-hmm. really great yeah. foundational. Everybody's is different. Yes, everyone's mm-hmm. should be different. But I think that the examples that you gave mm-hmm. are really like probably pretty applicable to ninety nine point nine percent of the people. Yeah, for because, sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, how 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 can you not win? by following each of those examples that you gave on the always list. I'm thinking about where my gaps are, my personal gaps in Mm -hmm. our marriage and where we can do better. And I'm like, there's no downside. If I actually, and again, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Forget about David's intentions. Forget about David's desires or what he thinks is a great idea. If I myself work on myself in these areas for our marriage and I am the initiator, say I'm the initiator on all of them. 
Mm-hmm. Say I'm the only one that's initiating on the always list, mm-hmm. which is an extreme thing to say because that's not. But I think it's important to bring up. But mm-hmm. let's say that that's the case. Mm-hmm. Does my marriage still have a chance? That's really funny because absolutely. And just so you know, in the research part of it, women are known as what's called the relationship keepers. Two-thirds of marriage are filed by women. And men in general are happier in life and happier in marriage. So it's the women a lot of times that feel like they're doing more than their fair share and hold resentment because of it. And so bottom line is the thought is if you're making your marriage better of the we, why does it matter who initiates the work when he's still going to go on the date? Mm-hmm. Um, when, you know, you're still, we're, we're saying the prayer and he'll say it if you ask. It's like lead the horse to water and they shall drink. And I think that we need to do more of that. My friend was saying, like, her big thing is she wants appreciation, but her husband is not an appreciative person. And so she learned to do it through leading questions. Like, hey, come look. Look what I did in the den. What do you think? Like, let him right to the water so that – and to draw out the communication that she needed. And she got what she needed. That's back to saying, like, get what you need and then don't hold a grudge because they don't do it spontaneously totally. or read your mind. Totally. But, like – Of course, listen, for your women listeners, I believe you are in charge of the relationship. Almost 100%. That's your job, to maintain it, to get things set up. And you let your husband know in a bulleted way what part they need to do. And a lot of times they follow through. The research is really clear on that. Women do more work in relationships. They do more of the house care. They do more of the kid care, even though me and my husband both work. I do the majority of it. I had a time where I had some resentment because I wanted, I'm like, we're both working. Yeah. He should be doing like 50% of the work in this house. And like, I just had a thought to myself, like, wait, that is my role. Like, I am the mom. Like, honor it. You know, just honor the role, the role that you have established in the house. And it doesn't mean that Jake doesn't help with the sweeping and the dishes That's and cooking. Right. It doesn't mean that. But when it doesn't get done, I don't want to hold marriage resentment because you want to treat your marriage like a treasure. And when you decide to take, and I say every negative thing is a $10,000 withdrawal from your marriage, marriage treasure. So if you don't want this to be a withdrawal, you know, then don't hold that resentment. And John Gottman says the number one thing that people fight about is nothing. And so we're making all of these huge withdrawals out of our marriage treasure for nothing, for the remote control, for the show that we're walking, that they're late for dinner, that, you know, they didn't make it to this on time. That's not worth a $10,000 withdrawal. So just to be really mindful on what you decide to bring up and not to, you know, have engagements about nothing. I love that. This is so Don't you guys good. feel so empowered to go and make some small applicable changes? Everyone needs to hear this. To take your marriage from good to outstanding. Or from suffering and struggling to really good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't I, I don't you know, I don't think that any of us have any um assumption that everyone's sitting somewhere specific on the spectrum. We all know and understand and acknowledge and honor that every one of you that's listening is somewhere on the spectrum. Some of you are on the brink of divorce. Some of you are soaring in your marriage. And that wherever you are is where you are, but all of us can move up. All of us can move forward and move over a notch to the right, right? Yeah. That's it's I about that's, the incremental improvement. And one thing I'll say, actually two points I just want to make. Number one, if you are struggling We've been there. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. Marriage is yes. not like a straight path, right? It is 
it is ups and it is downs. Yes. And there are life circumstances and health circumstances and a thousand things that take you in and out of the forest of marriage. We've all been there. So if you are in a moment of that, hang on. Hang on. Stay put. If all you can do is stay put, stay put. Work on your always list and wait. Just wait. Sometimes you just need some time. And we've all been there. It's okay. It's okay. It's not always going to feel love and rainbows, but it will come back. It will come back. I promise you. We've been through some really hard things that have felt like probably both of us wanted to leave right? Like I'm certain my husband has looked at me because I know I've looked at him and thought, I don't know if I want this anymore, but you stay, but you stay because you can, you can work through it when you have people who are willing to be there, be the safe place. And if nothing else, if you take nothing else out of this, when I did my number scale, which I've done mine, I have warned my husband it's coming because he needs a little lead time. He doesn't do well with the, (laughs) um, I was surprised when I really thought about it, how high my number was. Mm -hmm. Because before I came to this, I was obsessing about things, a few things that didn't matter. And I bet if you look for the evidence that your spouse is good, that your spouse is trying, that your spouse loves you, you're going to find it. And if you look for the contrary, you're going to find that too. Any concluding thoughts? Yes, I just have one concluding, concluding thought, and that is to fight for your marriage. No matter where you're at, fight for it. Fight hard. And if you're in a crossroads, I tell people, I tell people, move if you need to. Try everything possible to make your marriage because it is basically the protector of happiness overall. The studies show that 90% of people are happy, and if you stay married in a five-year period, two-thirds of even that 10% get back to happiness. People divorce in spaces of hard life where you have negative spillover. So fight, fight, fight for your marriage. Make it count. And, of course, be an ambassador for good marriages. Share the good word. We hear about divorces and things on social media. It's blasted. But we don't hear enough about good marriages. So take the time to get the marriage education. That's why I drop a video every Thursday on my website, a new video like, hey, here's some more things you can do about your marriage because we need to spend some more time doing great things for marriages and then sharing with our friends those great ideas that we have. Friends, thank you so much for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life and cultivating better marriages. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you and your marriage. We invite you to write down those promptings that you feel and most importantly, act on them. We love you. We're cheering you on and your marriage. And we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Word. No, Don't that's good. That from me. <laughs> and I, I'm a reader and I have like 15 always in the... Me too. I'm always in the middle of 15 yes. books. So.